0: this is session six uh been a fun kind of continuum that we've built out here i consider these the seven habits of highly effective dentists kind of a tip of the hat to uh, one of the late great mentors of mine stephen covey who taught me so much pretty certain i wouldn't be even be a dentist i'd probably be back in my hometown of lexington nebraska if it wasn't for stephen covey impacting me core back in undergrad um This is really the art and science of how to have a high-impact practice, a high-impact life. The problem that I see when I talk to a lot of dentists is that they're achieving at certain levels. Their practice isn't quite what they wanted it to be, but they feel like they're carrying it all on their back, and they're trying to be everything to everyone. which is our servant heart. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's what I love about dentists, but we need to get a proper architecture so that we're not, so we're becoming more so that we can have more. When we try and have more by doing more, it leads to exhaustion. It leads to broken, and broken and burnout dentists. And, um, that's kind of my, that's my mission is to help dentists get it all organized. Um, so that their life serves their work and their work serves their life. And all of that is really a quest to to increase our influence so i think this is a very important topic most dentists who are a little bit um, frustrated um, or more than that (laughs) angry about the profession it's usually because they haven't pressed on this lever enough which is influence the other thing i'll say about influence right off the top is that it's a word, it's a position that we have to embrace as dentists. Most of what we do is really influence, but no one taught us that. And influence sometimes gets a bad word because we see people misuse influence in in terms of manipulation, overtreatment, um, not taking care of the patient in the way that they would uh, close family member, all that sort of stuff. It sounds cliche, but um, this influence has to be coupled with trust and integrity. And I'll build out that idea as I talk a little bit more about it today. I want to thank uh, our participants who are on here live. Ashton, um, I saw someone else on here. Nathan, thank you for being here. Um, it's uh, it's a, a important topic early on in your career, and it's a continuum. It's a journey. If anyone tells me they've got practice management influence or leadership figured out, I immediately discredit them because uh, human dynamics are so complex and Um, if you think you've learned it all you're about to get humbled Um, so it's a journey it's something that we can embrace again it can be an exercise in frustration but it also can be fun because there's no upper limit here it's what allows us to keep expanding as the dentist and keep expanding our practice in any way that we want sometimes that's more money sometimes that's time freedom sometimes that's adding associates sometimes that's adding a new procedure to the mix but that's all possible if you figure out this uh, topic of influence continuum. First starts accountability, which is kind of the mindset of a practice isn't limited by its opportunity; it's limited by its leader. Clarity, accountability, influence—these all go hand in hand. And if I'm being uh, if I'm being really frank here, I think if we're going to have a really incredible career, we have to leverage these to build our influence. Because if we're tired, we're not gonna be influential. If we're not courageous, we're not gonna be influential. If we're not productive and role modeling the way, we're not gonna be influential. But clarity is probably the most important piece here because when I talk to dentists, a lot of times they're so angry and frustrated at their teams. But when I dig in deep, they haven't given them a target, a clear target. So this, this lady might be your office manager. This lady might be your dental assistant. This lady might be your hygienist. You haven't given her a clear clear target, and yet you expect her to hit it. And when, when she doesn't, you get frustrated. And so there's this big miscommunication. But when a team member knows what you stand for, knows why you exist, knows how you want to serve the patient, knows how you want to drive goodwill and case acceptance, and we're very clear about the targets, now we're all on the same page. It's a purpose-driven practice. And so, a lot of leadership a lot of influence is just getting clear about what the outcomes are so these are where we've we've uh dove in in the past all of these are available in uh in recorded format if you want to go back into the water cooler section all these they've packaged nicely and are ready Uh, let me talk a little bit about energy if you haven't seen that section energy enthusiasm um a lot of times when I'm working with a coaching client they kind of give me some pushback here because I like I like my clients to sweat before they go to work in the morning. I like them to meditate before they go to work in the morning. Why is all this important? Well, the dentist is usually the lead producer on top of being the leader and when we walk into the dental office either we're driving production or we're inhibiting it. There is no neutral there. And so if you walk in with a case on the Mondays Guess what your team is going to do? That's influence, but not positive influence. Um, so energy maintaining, making sure we're not giving more than what we've got, making sure that we're really we're taking care of ourselves like an athlete. Because our outputs in a busy dental practice, between treatment planning and leading a team, and doing all the marketing and just guiding the, the amount of decisions we make, the outputs are enormous, and it wears dentists out if they don't figure out how to take care of themselves. So protecting your energy, protecting your health is a money-making activity. Not that that's what it's all about, but you can see a point of diminishing returns if you just get into your 40s and 50s and and put it on cruise control and do what most of uh, society is doing is aging very aggressively. There's a way to slow that down and almost stop that if you know how to take care of yourself. Courage, courage is a big word. Courage might be starting your first practice, but it also can be sometimes telling a a closed patient what they need, telling them they have a cracked tooth, that they need a crown, whatever it may be. So courage is really every every decision you have throughout the day, whether it be a leadership decision, a business decision, or a clinical decision, you have an opportunity to step forward into courage or back into comfort. And you can see the compound effect of developing a muscle where you take the bold decision versus if you keep taking the, the more careful route um, I would say safe is the new risky and a very information-based, um, quickly evolving economy and industry with tech and things like that. So um, the non-courageous will pay a price. And so developing that and then, of course, being productive. Productive is a lot of times in dentistry seen as what's the top line for the day? How much dentistry did we produce? How productive were we? But it's also about doing the right things. It's also sometimes about doing less, delegating properly, which we'll talk a little bit more in influence, um, making sure that you're taking time to live and going back and taking care of yourself. So productivity isn't necessarily just getting more done. It's about doing the right things. And a lot of it is, uh, like I said, about doing less of where you're automating, delegating, eliminating things from your task list and putting it on someone else's plate or just Saying this has no value and it needs to be eliminated from the day-to-day. That's productivity, and so you can see how these one, two, three, four, five ingredients can all make you more influential or less influential if you're not playing the game right. And so, let's talk a little bit about more, uh, more about what influence is, how it, imp- how it shows up in our practice and our lives, and how we can find ways to get that trending upwards so that it becomes a driver of perpetual growth in our practices. So I always like to show this side. This is like positive psychology 101. For years and years and years, psychology was the study of pathology. So they studied people with um, behavioral disorders, people who were anxious, depressed, what have you, and then they said, well, this is kind of silly. Is the, is the, is the goal to really just be okay? Or is there an optimal, an optimal position here? So the optimal position here is clearly up and to the right. Yet the thing that disturbs me or worries me most about dentistry and my colleagues is that I can hardly find anyone who has found the right combination of pleasure and purpose. So... You can see when we're just chasing pleasure, this becomes like a hedonist game. I live in the mountains of Colorado, and so there are a lot of hedonists here that get 100 days of skiing, of snowboarding, what have you, but eventually that loses its, loses its charm because they're devoid of purpose. Down here, you have the exhausted. This is what I see most out of really high-achieving dentists who haven't figured out a proper architecture on how you get power from our lives to drive into our practice and power from our practice to drive into our lives so that we create this beautiful little flywheel. So we just do more and more and more and look for the next level and don't have a strong strong, um, schedule system to stop and smell the roses, to find the magic moments, to look back and reflect And our practices and look how far we've come through dental school, passing our boards, starting a practice, acquiring a practice, whatever it may be, growing a team. That is where people get burnt out because they try and just play this hustle and grind game. And this creates a lot of pain in dentistry. And when you're in pain, as a human, you'll do anything to get out of it. Some people will sedate with alcohol and drugs. Some people will get into things that are more worse than that. Sometimes it's just anything to distract. It can be social media, it can be gaming, it can be um, really anything that doesn't serve you. But a hobby, on the other hand, would be engineered pleasure, something that recharges you, something that allows you to relax and recover, time with family, vacations. So we want to find the right combination of pleasure and purpose and get up in here. and there's ways to engineer your practice so you actually enjoy the days. If you're on the treadmill and you're just trying to outrun your overhead, you're gonna end up being exhausted. But if you schedule properly, align your team properly, know who you wanna be a hero to in terms of patient care, what services you wanna provide for them, and learn how to influence the patient, um, this is a very realistic outcome. But again, no one taught us how to do it. So if, if you struggle with that, it's not your fault. Um, but there are resources that can help you. Emotionless, I'll just touch on that. Usually, emotionless people are just kind of nihilists. They've just given up. And it's like, okay, this is just a hamster wheel. I'm going to get on it Monday. I'm going to get off it on Thursday. I'll live for the weekend, have a good time here and there. But your meaning is your, your life is really devoid of purpose and pleasure. These people have kind of just given up and are going through the motions. Clearly, we don't want to be in any quadrant for very long other than the up and right. And that's what these habits are designed to do. As you figure out ways to figure out where you are, all, all change begins with telling the truth. And a lot of that truth is, okay, this is where I am right now. On a scale from one to 10, energetically, I'm a five. Scale from one to 10, from an influence standpoint, I'm a four. Okay, so we're four on influence. How do we get to a six? Unlocking those little things and getting things trending upward with the all the things I've talked about today is what will allow a dentist a long-term career that gives them all the wealth that they want, all the purpose that they want, um, and doesn't break their back or um, create a lot of the discord that I see in dentistry. It all kind of goes back to the psychology of the game here. So... A lot of um, what I've studied and what I, what I present on influence comes from two great mentors. Um, I went, if you know my story, um, there were in my startup, a lot of struggles. There were financial struggles, there were emotional struggles. My wife was medevac twice and it just became this compound effect. I had a newborn, I had no money. Um, and so I had to figure these things out to get out of that pit to feel like I was thriving again, because there was a moment not too long ago that I was like, this cannot be how this game plays out forever. And from that moment where I drew a line in the sand saying, I'm gonna figure this out, how do I get out of this pit? How do I have my best year every year? And I promised myself that if I figured that out, I would never stop climbing for one, and two, help dentists figure out how to create the perfect um, practice life architecture, so that they can have a very predictable best year every year confidence um, by playing this game of getting these habits trending upward. So all that to say, I wanted to learn from the best, the best of the best. And this is Brendan Burchard. Um, if you've seen any of these um, webinars before, you know I always mention him because he's uh, taught me how to be a coach. He's taught me the art of high performance. And he's considered the world's leading expert on high performance. If your first name is Usher, Oprah, this is the guy you call. If you're a Silicon Valley guy um, looking for you know a billion dollar um, sale, this is the guy you call when you're reaching the next level. And his stuff, that I love it because it's founded on science and research, not a lot of the fluff that I see kicked around um, in dentist practice management and um, the personal development literature and the leadership literature. And so this is a quote um, from him on the topic of influence. He said, people are influenced most by the people they trust, admire, believe and believe care for them. So important in dentistry. You can go to a two day course, a three day course on case acceptance. A lot of them, they're wonderful tactics but they're exactly that tactics and strategies. I believe that it all has to be founded on trust. If your patient doesn't believe you, if your patient doesn't pick up on a vibe that you and your team have their best interests at heart and that you'll spend as much time explaining what needs to be done as well as things that don't need to be done, things that need to be done later, presenting all the risk benefits and alternatives, all the problems, consequences, and solutions, um, your practice won't grow nearly as fast as it could. And so this is something you can't fake. When I talk about clients going back to the original clarity piece, what's your mission? What's your vision? What are your values? It has to trigger some emotion because we can't just do this long term for a paycheck. That gets old at a certain moment. And so we need to be purpose driven. And if that purpose isn't founded in goodwill and trust and rapport, you'll have team members bailing on me all the time, you know, patient turnover that you don't really need. You really have to go in there. And sometimes it's tough. Early on in my practice, there were whole days that weren't scheduled and you'd see a patient walk in with a big filling and have that debate. Do I tell them they need a crown or do I tell them that they need, just need a, a repair on the filling or a replacement of the resin? And you got to treat them the same when your schedule is empty as when it's full. And when you're paycheck to paycheck or even worse than that, um, three three credit cards maxed out with a newborn at home, it's hard to make those ethical decisions. But those of you who have a quest to have your practice founded in trust will go further and faster because it'll be reflected in your reviews. It'll be reflected in your referrals. So trust is the ultimate leadership strategy Trust is the ultimate marketing strategy and you can't fake that. You got to walk the talk and be of high integrity. So when I talk about influence, again, so many times it gets wrapped up in this misuse of influence, which is manipulation. No, stay away from that. There's plenty of dentists that will do that, but stay, uh, stay connected to why you got into dentistry. And usually that's to serve, make an impact, control your own future. And the more you're believable the more that you're admired and respected and trusted the easier that gets for you and the ultimate reward is that you get to sleep well at night so that's always my barometer did i sleep well tonight or last night all right next mentor is john c maxwell he's considered the world's leading expert on leadership um and has had a huge impact on me i've taken coaching courses from him And I use a lot of his material and content uh, when I coach and present. And he says, true leadership cannot be awarded, appointed, or assigned. It comes only from influence. And that cannot be mandated. It must be earned. The only thing a title can buy is a little time. Either increase your level of influence with others or undermine it. Again, there is no neutral. So that's from John C. Maxwell. And we'll talk a little bit about different Modes of leadership and influence, and why some are much more effective than others. And he spells it out very concisely right there. So, what is leadership? I think a lot of what I see kind of purported in dentistry as leadership is actually management. Management um, works really good for things, it works really good for money, it works really good for supplies, it works to a limited degree for for your human capital, your team. And I can talk a little bit more about that. But management is control-based. Leadership is choice-based. You're getting them to align and volunteer. You can get anyone to show up for work, but it's really hard, um, or it's a little bit more of a challenge. I shouldn't say it's really hard. It's a little bit more of a challenge to get them to invest their head and their heart when they show up for work. But when you do, then that's when the magic happens in your practice. And that's what influence really is. Leadership is, always, is also creating change. A lot of dentists get satisfied and they want to plateau their practice. My encouragement is to never, ever, ever plateau a practice. It's to keep it growing perpetually. It doesn't have to mean you're adding ops. It doesn't mean you have to acquire other practices. It can just be harvesting more time out for you, the owner. It can be um, delegating more so that your team members have no upper limit in their jobs. Um, And that's really facilitating growth. So for me, this is my definition. It's choice-based, it's creating change and it's facilitating growth. And that's a never ending process. So over here to the right, you see, this is um, directly from a John Maxwell book, the five levels of leadership. Most dentists struggle in their practice because they stay down here. There, it's a position. I write your paycheck, therefore you should say, you should do what I say. And I say that jokingly because that was me for a long time. I was the dictator. I'm a good leader because I told you what to do. You're a bad follower because you didn't do it. Well, again, that wasn't choice-based. That was that was probably more fear-based. It was more control-based. It was more death by checklist or, you know, I wasn't asking them or I didn't know how to ask them to invest their, in their heart properly. And so I was just going by, Position and permission, so level two and three, or level one and two. Once you have kind of some street cred, then your results speak for themselves. That's level three. And then this is when it really gets fun as a leader, because I can tell you what's really hard. What's really hard is creating followers. What's really fun and very advantageous to you, to your patients, to your practice, to the team members that clock in for work each day, is that when you see them as fellow leaders. Once you deem everyone as a, also a leader in the practice, you give them something to own, you, tell, you, you ask them to make honest mistakes of ambition, you get them to develop the processes that work best for them, and you coach them at higher and higher levels, that's when um, you have an unlimited ceiling in your practice. Down here, levels one, two, and three, you're gonna have employee turnover. Up here, you're going to start developing a lot of loyalty and you get the best of them. It's a culture piece. It's something that if you have, say, six team members, one leaves, and you have five solid team members that understand the mission, understand the vision, understand the values, and are willing to defend the mission, adding that six team member is easy because immediately they, the next person knows what you stand for. They know what what's what's right by the practice, they know what's right by the patient and they know what's wrong and it's very distinct. So they have immediate clarity because they're not just hearing it from the leader, the the owner, they're hearing it from all the leaders because we've got, now we've got a self-managing team. And this is hard for a lot of people to understand, but I hear a lot of dentists complaining about there's no good employees. That I don't think could be further from the truth. There's good employees, looking for good jobs at all times. What you, what we need to do as leaders is give them something beyond a paycheck. You need to give them a purpose. You need to tap into why are they there? What do they want from a practice beyond just a paycheck? Sometimes they don't know because they've never seen it. They've just punched a plaque, uh, 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 the clock, cleaned eight people's teeth, and gone home. So a lot of this is a byproduct of the system. These people um, that we're hiring aren't necessarily bad employees. They just have never been given any account, any autonomy. They haven't been held accountable. They've never seen what it really looks like to be self-managing, and so they're all they've seen is this top-down top management style. When a small practice, at least a practice that would be one or two dentists working amongst the team members, um, it can be very fulfilling when everyone sees has a voice is seen as credible and can be a leader sorry i got a little distracted i think by a question here oh good question so um ashton asks can you reach level four without developing a healthy culture i would say without developing a healthy culture you're probably be at the bottom part of four. Um, I speak from experience. Um, I've had a lot, most of my teams have had um, some bad eggs or cancers or people who, you know, just wanna be contentious with about the, the, the ownership. Some people are just trained to hate their boss, quite frankly. And so um, a, I didn't really start defining and defending my culture until three or four years ago, but we were able to grow at such a pace. The team, I think, believed in me being able to call the shots and the shots producing the results. So I was probably, before I really started developing myself as a leader and developing the other teams of a leader, I was probably right in here because I was giving, I was making sure that they were, there was some profit sharing there. So when the practice did well, that they knew that the team would do well, Um, but you're reaching your max without developing a healthy culture. And so if you wanna streamline this process, right off the bat, you go into clear mission, clear vision, clear values. And here's the secret. Here's the secret to supercharge this even more is that people, back what they build and so if you are building a culture on your own and you're saying this is our culture that will get you only so far probably up here in the upper fours call it 4.6 um, for discussion's sake if you so here's a couple of key questions if you're taking notes this is something that has unlocked a huge amount of potential in my practice every uh, year beginning of the year we have an annual meeting The mission always stays the same. The values and the culture, we scrap. We start from scratch and we build it over again. So the team will, I ask them a few key questions. One is, what do you want to be on a paycheck? I don't ask that exact question. What I ask them is, what would have you feeling excited to come to work and have you leaving at the end of the day feeling fulfilled? They tell me things like out loud laughter, second family, they've they've told me what they want and so it's very easy to hold them accountable to those things that they told me are super valuable in a practice in a culture in a team in a unit that's aligned so um there are three things that are really important to me in a strong business that's goodwill case acceptance and growth that's the mission for me in fact if you want our exact mission in my practice it's our pra- uh, available dental care um, its mission is to and uh is to inspire uh, i'm sorry bill valley dental care mission is to build trusting friendships and inspire patients to a lifetime of healthy beautiful smiles so let me break that down build trusting friendships goodwill inspire patients to healthy beautiful smiles case acceptance we make it very simple it doesn't have to be some slick sales system Um, it's all built on trust and goodwill and if you get your people growing, if you get your goodwill growing, if you get your case acceptance growing over time, your practice will continue to have your best year every year. So um, great question, Ashton. Did I answer that for you? Is that all clear? Cool. You can tell I get super passionate about that. And sometimes sometimes in the enthusiasm, I'm not as clear as I need to be. So any other questions about this, let me know. Uh, let's let's move forward. So this, this is a book that I would consider mandatory reading for a any business owner, really, but I talk to dentists, so let's just use it in a context. Level five leadership. There's a couple reasons why I think this is important. This is by a researcher named Jim Collins, who um, happens to be out of Colorado. Uh, I've never met him personally, but would love to because he's one of my heroes. The thing I love about all these people is they're research-based. And so when he was doing his research on his book, his classic book, Good to Great, he essentially told his teams that I don't don't give me some leadership stuff. Don't tell me that these businesses are incredible because of the leader, because I want the data. I want the granular. And so they went to it and they found all these things, but they kept find, finding this common theme that they later deemed level five leadership. And it was so compelling that Jim said, hey, we have to include this. So despite his best efforts to leave leadership out of the equation, it was so compelling that they had to include it as a key ingredient in these companies that went from good to great. And we're talking about big companies. We're talking about publicly traded companies, but principles are universal. So here's what a level five leadership is and it leaves important clues, particularly for dentists. And I'll unpack, unpack, unpack that in just a second. Level five leaders display a powerful mixture of humility and indomitable will. What they found in these level five leaders is when something went wrong in the business, they took the blame. When something went right in the business, they spread out the praise amongst the team. Oh, that was that was that was the team. That wasn't me. And so that's. Uh, a really difficult game to be able to play uh, to subside the ego to make sure that you're getting the best out of your organization the best out of your team but why was that so readily available to them it's because their businesses were purpose-driven going back to the mission values culture all these things that we keep this drum we keep beating again and again so they're incredibly ambitious so the drive is there but their ambition is first and foremost for their cause. It's not for them. It's for the organization, it's purpose and not themselves. So this is one of my one of, really important topic because a lot of times your team and your patients will see you and your practice as one and the same. You have to divorce that somehow. You have to be able to separate and say, sometimes I sacrifice to do what's best for the practice, almost as though it's your your child. So in a startup, that's an infant. I gave so many sleepless nights to my startup. And then the business learns to crawl and it learns to walk and it learns to run and you can give it a little bit more freedom. Now I only go in my business 11 or 12 days a month. The rest of it is fully delegated and kind of on autopilot. And I know when I go in those 12 days or scheduled the goal, but that's because I've always put the practice first. That means sometimes I didn't take a paycheck. I mean, sometimes I gave a bonus and didn't take a paycheck. I always did what was right for the practice. And if you continue to believe that that's the right thing to do and play that hand again and again, it has massive payoffs. So third bullet point, while level five leaders can come in many personality packages, they are often self-effacing, quiet, reserved, and even shy. Why is it so important? Sometimes dentists, a lot of dentists are introverted and that's Not a problem. It's what makes us good clinicians. It's what allows us to keep our head down and prep 12 veneers or 12 crowns or whatever needs to be done. It's what allows us to be artists and creatives, right? But we cannot use introversion as an excuse not to be a good leader. Why? Because a lot of these great leaders are actually very shy, socially awkward, whatever you want to call it. And so the 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 myth of the gregarious leader is something that we have to put on hold. People will follow you because they believe in you. And it doesn't have to be this general patent type leadership. In fact, that's not very effective when it comes to growing a business. It's not very effective when it comes to case acceptance because sales, leadership, the wins are really in being an ambivert, meaning I can turn it on, I can run a meeting, I can train a team, I can collide with people when they're not, um, when they're not upholding the values, or when they're not being a team player. Usually, you're kind of just playing as a team member, and that's where dentists really want to be. They want to do great dentistry. They want a team that's aligned, and that's why this idea of self-managing team can be so powerful. But I bring this up again and again because I run into dentists like, well, leadership really isn't in me. Well. If you bought a practice and your name's on the door and your name's on the note, to absolve yourself from leadership is a very, very dangerous thing. And it'll lead to lots of frustration, lots of sleepless nights, lots of uh, pent up rage when one of your team members has a a more predominant leader position than you do. Um, So there's no excuse to not develop your leadership chops. It's muscle, if you've never used it before it's weak and probably atrophied, but it can build over time. And it again, it doesn't have to be um, this gregarious, uh, extroverted persona. Most dentists aren't that, um, but it shouldn't keep you from running a great practice. In fact, if I'm being honest, I was painfully shy most of my life. The the <laughs> the Dave Maloli who does podcasts, gets on stage, does these webinars. Um, it took a lot of doing stuff that I was... Uh, uncomfortable with scared of I still get butterflies before any of these types of events um, but it goes back to courage doing what needs to be done to become the person that you want to become and if you figure out how to unlock that the organization will always follow so really important insights from Jim Collins and his um, several but this happens to be from the original good to great um, every good to great transition in our research began with a level five leader who motivated the entire enterprise with more inspired standards yeah. and inspiring personality. So, uh, if you happen to be self-effacing, quiet, reserved, and even shy, you can be. Uh, you can see that as an asset instead of a liability because of this research and it's unit and the industry. You just have to believe in the cause and believe in the practice and get other people to do the same. And um, they appreciate that. Good people appreciate good jobs where you have their back and they have your back. All right, so let's carry on to some strategies. So if we're gonna be ultimately influential, um, we have to teach people a few things. Um, There's really three, I think three criteria in being uh, really influential. One is that you have to be good at teaching people a different way of thinking. Let's put this in a few different contexts. So a lot of my clients um, want to, usually the plight is I want to be a great spouse. I want to be a great parent. I want to be a great entrepreneur and I want to be a great clinician. Uh, all of those require influence, but if we're going to do this, um, let's use uh, patient facing leadership first. So. Um, let's, so if the two pillars are goodwill and case acceptance, let's talk about case acceptance and using influence to get people to, I consider case acceptance to get people to want what they need because all the disease we treat, occlusal disease, periodontal disease, uh, caries, cracks, that sort of thing, dental disease are all progressive. And so we're actually doing them a favor. It's cheaper and less painful to do it earlier. So how do we get to do that? without being um, feeling like a slimy salesman, right? Um, Integrity-based influence. Get them to think differently. So it may be uh, simple as an intro picture. See that crack right there? It may be simple as a metaphor. Hey, um, you ever get a crack in your windshield during the winter, a rock kicks up and cracks your windshield? Happens over over time. Well, the patients say, well, it gets, eventually kind of spreads, right? Yeah, that's what happens with these stress fractures. See this extending from this dark silver filling here? If we don't get on that now, what do you think is going to happen? Will the tooth break? Yeah, it'll break. So it's that dialogue of getting them to think in a different manner. We dentists, I hear them all the time complain or get frustrated because the dental patient's IQ is so low. Well, um, let's use the car analogy. If someone, if a if a mechanic tells me there's something wrong with my engine, I don't know every nuance of that engine. If, If a adjuster comes out and tells me about the damage on my roof, I don't know a lot about that. My IQ is really low. And so I'm relying on trust. I'm relying on that person or I'm not because I don't trust them. I won't move forward. So we have to do everything not to scare and confuse our patient and make it very clear and concise what the problem is, what's the consequences of not treating the problem. So that's another way to change our thinking. What happens if you don't do this? Well, what do you think? Well, eventually it'll be painful. And what I don't want for you is that on Thanksgiving day, you're having family over and this thing becomes a rip-roaring toothache and you haven't slept the night before and it ruins your day. That's a way to change their thinking. So, so many just candid conversations you can have with patients to change their thinking. Let's use this um, in a from a leadership slant. So say you're having a monthly meeting, the team, you're trying to create change because that's what leaders do, but um, they're resisting change because that's sometimes what team members do because they just see it as more work and worry on their plate. So what's in it for me? So there are several ways to do this, right? Um, One thing, one of my favorite is just to coach them into the right decision, just keep asking questions. So if say we were struggling with case acceptance, I would just present the question hey, what can we do in hygiene to engineer this a little bit differently? Maybe it's when I come in from the exam. Maybe it's what I do during the exam. If our goal is to have 100% case acceptance, what do you think we need to do to reach our next level? And then you shut up and be quiet and force them into thinking and making decisions. A lot of this can just be compelling questions. That's coaching. Um, It's a little bit of a tangent, but I think every person running a dental practice has the leadership hat, but then there's three hats within the leadership hat or three roles within that, that, within that one role. One is dictator. It's the least effective. We saw that on John Maxwell's uh, levels of leadership, but sometimes you have to just tell a team, this is what's gonna happen. The decision's already made, we're moving forward. I would play that call, card very strategically and very infrequently. It's kind of for the more urgent, like I'm adamant this is going to happen, let's go. This, the second hack um, is the coach. So that's what I was explaining is just getting really good at asking questions. Hey, Stacy, I see that you're kind of frustrated with the way that your, um, your conversations with insurance companies. Is there any way that we can be more proactive and get good notes, good narratives, good x-rays, into their hands in advance so that you don't feel like you're always fighting for the patient to get the the benefits they deserve. And then she comes up with two or three strategies. And then that goes back to what I was explaining before. If they build it, they back it. If you present the solution to them, now you have to audit it, you have to defend it, you have to support it. It's not your baby. If they come up with the idea, it's their baby. So that's coaching. So dictator coach and the third is trainer. Teaching them to think different is sometimes just teaching them something new, a new skill set, a new mindset. How do you think about occlusal disease differently so that we be proactive and not just throw people in night guards but get their teeth upright so that they're not colliding, they're sliding. So that may be a way to enhance uh, Invisalign case acceptance, for example. Um, it can be clinical. I teach my team like crazy on leadership principles. I teach them straight out of John Maxwell books. And these are things that typically they're not reading on their own. And so getting them to think differently can help support the practice, but also sometimes makes them better parents, better outside the practice. And when they see you investing in them at that level, being able to solve complex problems, complex problems in the practice and outside the practice, that's where the loyalty really begins. or it gets enhanced. So there's so many ways to teach them to think differently, but um, know that that's really the strategy. If you're not um, being that kind of mentor, teacher, coach, on an Asian dictator, um, you're not pressing on the influence button. Um, And the three biggest ways I think it impacts the dental practice, one is marketing. So that shows up as ads, one, Google reviews, Um, that's all influence to leadership. So that's impacting your team, getting them to grow, getting them to trend upward, getting them to deliver at a higher level and goodwill and case acceptance, getting them to build their confidence. The third is, um, case acceptance. So in my practice, the team does the majority of that. So there's some hybridizing or synergizing between team influence and case acceptance influence because they trust the team. And a lot of times I just have to go in there to confirm, but the team wouldn't be able to present like that if they didn't trust me and what I stood for and what the practice stood for. So you can see how very quickly a win in one of these columns becomes a win in multiple columns. And then uh, we've got tons of momentum and our growth doesn't just stay linear. It becomes uh, almost or or, um, hockey stick in nature after we've kind of paid the dues for a long time. Next strategy is challenge them. One of my original dentists that I worked with uh, was when I was in residency. He said to me, there will always be tension between dentists and dental staff because dentists are achievers type A and by and large, uh, our team members are more type B. And so they don't love change. Even if they know it's good for them, sometimes they'll resist and so Sometimes you'll have to throw down a challenge um, and that, that throw down a challenge or an eager want comes from a book that I would recommend on influence. If you haven't read it, it's a classic, probably the best uh, leadership, le- probably the best leadership book ever doesn't have the word leadership on the title. It's How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. Classic. You read it every year for the rest of your life and it'll continue to make an impact and change your thinking in some small way. But sometimes you have to challenge your patience. Sometimes it's because they're not showing up on time. Sometimes they're not showing up at all. Hey, listen, you've missed two of your last three um, appointments. Is there any way that we can get you to commit to this next appointment? Well, my schedule is all kind of busy. I'm not really sure. Okay, well, we'll get an automated notice when um, you're due for your next, um, your next cleaning. And so just call in when you're ready to commit. That's challenging a patient while still being... Um, you know, your are your trusted healthcare advisor. Sometimes you have to challenge team. I, I once in, my team is really aligned, but currently I have one team member who is kind of underperforming and is starting to affect the rest of the team. When I challenge that person, I can say, "Hey, listen, you're frustrating me, but it's really not about me. It's about subpar or inadequate patient care. It's about." taking that load and putting it on someone else's plate, making it someone else's problem. It's just not carrying the weight of the team. And so if a team member isn't being an ideal team player, the ingredients are hungry, humble, and smart. It's really easy for me to coach them into the right decision by saying, hey, listen, it seems like um, you're kind of rushing through the profies a little bit and we're not delivering the ultimate kind of goodwill experience so that we can drive case acceptance. Is there anything we can do to, what do you think is the next level for you as far as goodwill and case acceptance? Just getting them right back on track. You don't have to be too overt in the challenge. Uh, there's a time and a place for that. Um, sometimes when when a team member, you know, you've done the verbal counseling, you've done the written counseling, it's looking like you might have to part paths and, terminate them. Sometimes you have to say, listen, we've got 30 days to figure this out or else. Um, I, that's, again, more of a dictator move. I prefer a coach move and getting them uh, to decide what the right solution is for the problem. But if no one is challenging them, either peer-based or from you, the owner, sometimes they go sideways without even realizing it. It just becomes this kind of apathetic drift. If you don't correct it, become who they are and then sometimes it's too hard to get them back on track so challenging them colliding with them um, is an important influence strategy to be comfortable with. last strategy (laughs) Uh, this this movie clearly dates me but my son is nine so he and he knows the karate kid so i don't feel guilty about showing this slide i think it's kind of a timeless movie but of course, the mentor here is Mr. Miyagi, the, the mentee is Danielson, And um, this is really about role modeling the way. We all know that the ultimate leadership tool is leading by example, yet so many times we're asking things of our team members that we're not willing to do ourselves. So we have to make sure that we're not being hypocritical. If we're asking our patients to maintain optimal care of their mouth? Are we doing that as dentists? Are we doing that for our team members? Are we doing that for our family, for their families and our families? Are we walking the talk? If we want enthusiasm in our morning huddle, but we're walking in with the case of the Mondays, we're sending a signal to the team going back to energy that we just go through the motions and that's enough. So so often I see dentists get frustrated by their team when it's really the problem is them. And that goes back to accountability. So if, if we want more case acceptance, if we want more rapport building, sometimes that's just looking a patient in the eye, asking about their summer. What's, what do you have planned? Building rapport. And the team will follow that. becomes part of the culture. And um, we'll talk a little bit about the law of the lid, but who you are is sometimes just as important as what you do, that vibe that you're putting out. Um, Do you align with the mission, the vision, all that sort of thing? So leading by example almost sounds cliche, but there's so many people who are asking their teams to do things that they're not willing to do and just know that that's a recipe for uh, frustration, a recipe for cultures that don't stick. Um, So really going back to the fundamentals of being that, that comes from a Gandhi quote, be the change you wanna see in the world, be the change you wanna see in the practice. When my practice took off is when I got really serious about these high performance um, these high performance pillars, these high performance habits, and I would go in more energetic on a Wednesday than I was on a Monday. I was really intentional about serving the patients. I would do all sorts of things to make sure that um, I was present with the patient, present with the team, um, kind of that tireless, um, focused, driver of goodwill and case acceptance day in and day out and when I was able to be different the team was different and the practice was different and that's what's allowed me to really have best quarter after best quarter knowing that I'm working less every year yet making more It's because of the me continuing to develop myself from a personal development and a leadership standard and being the change that I wanted to see all around me. Too often, it was easy to blame and point the finger. That's probably where I spent the first four or five years of my practice. And when I realized, hey, listen, like going back to accountability, it's not the opportunity. It's not the team. It's the leader that's holding the practice back. And then um, that's kind of a daunting task, but it also can be fun because, you know, there's no up the limit. And you get good at these strategies, the energy, the productivity the clarity, the accountability, it becomes a force multiplier in your practice because your team is naturally going to fall to You may mm-hmm. not move at the pace that we do because we're achievers, we're dentists, We've done all this schooling and we like to be high performers. Some of them you have to introduce that to, but that goes back to teaching them to think differently and challenging them. And then of course, the third most important strategy, not the third in ranking, but the third strategy here is being the changer, uh, role modeling the way. So let's summarize this before I close out. Um, first is kind of the law of accountability. Your practice isn't limited by its opportunity. It's limited by its leader. That's a direct kind of descended into my mind from the law of the lid, which is um, directly from John Maxwell. He says, influence is the lid that determines a person's level of effectiveness. The lower an individual's ability to lead, the lower the lid on its potential. The higher individual's, ability to lead, and I use influence and leadership as kind of synonymous here, the higher the lid on his potential or her potential. To give you an example, if your leadership rates an eight, then your effectiveness can never be greater than a seven. If your leadership is only a four, then your effectiveness will only will be no higher than three. Your leadership ability for better or worse always determines your effectiveness and the potential to impact your organization. So. So often I talk to um, I'll just call it a frustrated dentist somebody who's dissatisfied with their practice and they want the change to be increase, increase clinical skill and prowess well this is the reason why you want a level eight practice but you're only a level three leader it's an impossibility you might get little inflections you might have a good month um, but that's because you've been hustled and, hustle and uh, willed it into place, but if you're looking for a long-term strategy, it's increase your leadership skill and increase your ability to develop leaders within the practice. That's a game that you, there's no upper limit to, um, and that's where it gets fun is because you can always find holes in the bucket in the practice skill, ways to help uh, your team members find another level. And it's a competitive advantage because there's not very many doctors that are willing to do that for their team members. If you see that their growth is really important to you, your practice growth becomes a a byproduct of your investment in your team. Sometimes that's financial. Sometimes that's sending them off to training. Sometimes that's getting off training. But more often, it's just the day-to-day, the coaching moments, the stuff in the huddle, the meetings. And it can be fun because it's a never-ending journey. Therefore, your practice never has to plateau. If your practice never plateaus, then the time and the money and the impact that you're able, the, the, um, the fulfillment that you're able to derive from that can always improve and get better. And that's the kind of growth curve I want to be on for the rest of my career, um, because I know um, next month we'll talk a bit about purpose or quite a bit about purpose. People are the most fulfilled when they're serving and growing. And so I want an organization, I want my clients to have organizations They have no upper limit year after year, they're getting better and better and better because now we can serve at greater capacities and we're growing. That's when people are feeling happy. That's when people are feeling fulfilled. When people are frustrated and sedating and kind of this down in the right, broken, broke, exhausted, it's because they're not tapping into these things that are biologically within us um, and that we're longing for. A couple kind of closing things here Um, We'll do another one next month. I think it's tentatively uh, or currently slated for June 7th, but I'm going to have to change that I have another uh, speaking engagement at the Colorado Dental Association that day. Um, But tune into that next one because that's the final one, and I'm going to kind of put a bow on the whole thing. We're going to talk, it's it's called necessity, um, and the topic essentially is how do we turn our shoulds into musts? but it becomes purpose driven. And I'm gonna show a whole architecture, uh, what I call the power pyramid and how all of these principles tie together so that you can have your best year every year. So make sure you tune in in June. There's a, there's a, a prize to be had uh, for those of you that are turning in live and uh, reviewing, giving feedback and so forth. Um, the top prize will be a one hour um, strategy session with me where we go, Dive in deep on some of these principles and figure out a quick way or a low-hanging fruit for you to unlock your next level. Second prize will be um, a copy of a signed copy of the book Titans of Dentistry. Um, I love that book, and I, it's not an exercise in self-promotion because no one will ever get rich uh, selling books. I can tell you that. But most of it was written not by me, it's by people that I respected that give powerful insights on these concepts, particularly influence and how they had an incredible career. Whether you want lots of practices, whether you want one lifestyle practice, the ideas and ingredients are in that book. Um, as always, I'd like to thank Lila, Naren, everyone from Equa Marketing who put a lot of time and energy to putting this all together. Um, they have, like I said, packaged up all the um, previous, so that if you want to see them in sequence and see how they kind of all build on one another, these are the stuff, this is the stuff that you won't typically get in a dental meeting, but it's, again, research based, it will allow you to unlock things that um, common strategies won't allow you to reach an upper limit or a ceiling very quickly. Um, so I really appreciate them allowing me to have this forum and podium to talk about this you know, and kind of leveraging myself and talking one to many. If you have any questions, um, I love hearing from listeners, audience, uh, the podcast. You can always reach out to me if you have any questions at dr.dave. uh, I sometimes release little micro coaching videos on Instagram. If you want to follow there, uh, I have a podcast on iTunes that I release one or two episodes a month. Um, but there's hundreds of back issues. If you wanna learn more about these principles and strategies and how people are performing at high levels, uh, kind of the art and science of high performance and fulfillment, it's all available there. So those of you that were live, I appreciate you. Those of you that are watching uh, the recorded version, um, all stands, if you have any questions and weren't able to make the live recording, please reach out. I'm happy to provide some clarity and insight for you. because I know these are the concepts and principles, but most of those frustrated dentists that I'm talking about are missing or are choosing not to hold in high value. And if you can start planting these seeds early to make your career that much more prosperous and fulfilling. So thank you all, thank you, Lila. I love feedback, candid feedback. Um, Just just like the trending upward in these high-performance strategies, um, anything that I can do to improve the content the presentation i'm always looking for insights there from people that are watching and listening so hope you all have a great weekend and i hope to see you again at the next webinar in june thanks a lot